He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. It's interesting because a shepherd leads. We think of cattle drives, right? Where you drive the cattle where you want them to go. And, but that, that's not the way they needed to do it with sheep. The, the shepherd would go on ahead of them and the sheep would just naturally follow him because he would be continually either singing or speaking and they knew his voice. It says in verse 5, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus got mad at them and said, if you don't get it the first time, I'm done with you. Is that what he said? No. Look at verse 7. Therefore Jesus said again and again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate, not a gate, the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Notice how many times he says, I am. Do you remember in the Old Testament when God was asked, well, what's your name? God said, I am who I am, right? I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and to have it to the full. King James Version says, and to have it more abundantly. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That was his reason he came. In verse 11 he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, so usually a shepherd was either the man who owned the sheep or a family member. But sometimes they would have to hire people to run the sheep because there were some people. Did you know that it says in Job, I think it says he had 18,000 sheep? That's a lot of lamb. Yeah, chops. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Basically, here Jesus is talking about either false teachers, false prophets, or false shepherds. Okay, You know, the job of a shepherd is to feed the sheep. Do you remember what Jesus said after he rose again from the dead to Peter? He said, feed my sheep. He said it three times. He says, feed my lambs. He says here, then the wolf attacks and the flock scatter and the flock and the, and it scatters it. 
The man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, remember that Jesus is primarily talking here to Jews. Okay, That's, He came to the nation of Israel, but there was many Gentiles too that heard him speaking and many were converted. He says this, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, speaking of Gentiles. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there would be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my fathers. And it's interesting the reaction that he gets from the Jews. He says, at these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is a demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, it says this, He tends his flock, now this is Old Testament, remember, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them. Close to his heart, he gently leads. God gently leads. Listen to what Psalm says. 100 verse 3 says, it says, know that the Lord is God. And I love this. You got you to take this in. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I'm going to read to you Psalm chapter 95. You're welcome to turn there if you want to. Psalm 95 and I'm going to be in verse, start at verse 1. Here's what it says. I want you to relax and just take this in. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. So this is a call, a call to worship, isn't it? Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods, with a little g. In his hand are the depths of the earth. Now I want you to personalize this for yourself. This psalm says, in his hand, hand singular, are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. In his hand are the depths of the earth. What did Jesus say? No one can pluck you out of my hand. How big is God's hand? Big enough to hold you. Big enough so that the mount, uh, so that the depths of the earth are in his hand. He says the sea is his and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our God. 
our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. You know, what is God's job? Okay? God's job is to lead us, restore, guide, prepare, comfort, provide, anoint, motivate, accompany us, and assure us. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? What's our job? Our job is to walk one step at a time with Him. Okay? Remember something, you can eat an elephant, but you've got to eat it a bite at a time, don't you? You know, we, we want to be walking toward spiritual maturity, but we walk one, one step at a time. You know, sometimes in life, doesn't it feel like you take one step forward and two steps back? That's aggravating, isn't it? really is. One step forward and two steps back, but you know what? Keep, keep walking. Keep doing it. Hey, turn to Psalm 23, would you? Psalm 23. This is actually a very famous uh, psalm, one of the best known in the Bible. This psalm is probably read or quoted more at funerals than in any other place. And I don't know why. Because it really isn't a funeral psalm. psalm. It's really a living psalm. It's a psalm for the living. And I want to take it apart for you. And I want you to think about what David says in this psalm. In Psalm 23, verse 1, he says this. And I'm going to show you, out of this psalm, six different ways that God empowers us with blessings. Okay? Six different ways. First of all, the Lord is my shepherd, right? He's my shepherd. He's your shepherd. He's your shepherd individually. He's our shepherd collectively. He's my shepherd. I shall not be in want. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, now listen, it says this. This is a promise too, by the way. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches found in Christ Jesus. Now, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. How rich is Christ Jesus? The richest? Would that be fair to say? The richest? If God is going to use the riches of Christ Jesus as a measuring stick to provide for you, do we need to worry about provision? Why do we worry about provision then? Let me, let me go on. It says this. And let me read Psalm 84.11 to you. It says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Listen to the last part of this verse. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Now, you might say, well, my walk isn't blameless. 
You know, it's interesting because, you know, that verse in Hebrews chapter 11 where it says um, that uh, faith causes us to believe that God exists and that He is a rewarder of those who are diligent and searching for Him. You know, every day, sometimes more than one time a day, I have to tell the Lord, not that I'm telling the Lord anything, okay, that, you know, I can't claim to be diligent. I can claim the diligence of Jesus Christ, though. Because you know what? I claim His life. I claim His death. I claim His resurrection. I claim His intercession for me, right? I claim His diligence, too. Jesus Christ is the only diligent person that's ever lived when it comes to God. We all fall short of the glory of God. So if you're going to claim anything, you claim it through Jesus Christ, okay? You can be guaranteed success that way. Now, it says, No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. So walk in Christ and your walk will be blameless. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Okay? Makes me lie down in green pastures. Let me read something out of Matthew chapter 6 to you. You don't have to turn there. Matthew chapter 6, and I am going to be in verse, let's see, where is it? 25. Here's what it says. Oh, you're going to like this, okay? Are you ready? Are you sure you're ready? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Are you still ready? Okay. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? He tells us to look at the birds. He feeds them. He tells us to look at the flowers. He clothes them. He says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? So for you worriers out there, okay, let's stop worrying. Now, so... God gives us spiritual nourishment. Listen to what Ephesians 1, 3 says, and this is a promise. It says, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with most spiritual blessings in Christ. That's not what it says. What does it say? Ah, every spiritual blessing is what it says. Huh? God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every and all spiritual blessing in Christ. If you're a Christian here today, you have a bank account in heaven that includes every spiritual blessing in Christ. Are you writing checks off of that bank account? Because that's what we need to be doing. Let's go on. So God provides us with provision... He provides us with providence. Providence meaning guidance and, and, uh, and 
leading in every situation. Listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 4. Let me read this to you. And these are all scriptures that really honestly should be uh, underlined in your Bible. Okay, Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to start in verse 4. Philippians 4.4. 4. Listen to this. And this is hard to do. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. You get that bad medical report. I visited Larry Johnson in the hospital this last week. He was in the hospital. Had He has a mass. I don't think he'd mind me telling you. He has a mass growing around his aorta. They don't know what it is. They can't operate it on it because they'd kill him. So they did a biopsy, which was supposed to come back the next day. The, the lab that does the biopsy, had something else to do, and it's been like five days or four days since they did the biopsy. Can you imagine how he's feeling? Like to know what it is. However, the Bible says do not be anxious about anything. Even if you get a bad medical report, you know, you have to say, well, God wants me to go to heaven quicker. I guess I will. The bad financial report. You know, the Bible says, I have never seen the righteous go begging, okay? God will provide for us. It says that he clothes the lilies of the field. They're just flowers. They're going to be gone come winter. He says he feeds the birds of the air. Of how much more value are you than birds? I would like to think, well, of course, if you're one of these tree-hugging, you might not be more valuable than birds because you came out of the primordial slime pit or you came from a monkey. But see, we don't believe that, do we? We believe that God created us in his own image. What does that make you? That makes you valuable, right? Please say amen. Amen. Thank you. You're all sitting there, I think so. Just giving you a hard time. Now, so it says that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, so sometimes we just don't understand, but it will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Back to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, God will meet my needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He gives me spiritual nourishment. He leads me beside quiet waters and restores my soul. How many of us need soul restoration? I do all the time. I need a remodel of my soul occasionally every day. He says this, He guides me in the paths of of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, it's interesting. 
I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but how important to God is His integrity? You ever thought about that? What is integrity? Well, integrity is, to me, is the, the value of what someone does, thinks, and is in their lives, Lord. Uh, and the Lord has that kind of integrity. His integrity is perfect. You might do a business wheel, deal with somebody who doesn't have very good integrity and get kind of messed up. You might marry someone who doesn't have the kind of integrity to stay married or to be faithful. So there's all kinds of examples of people that don't have integrity, but God has integrity. And let me tell you something that you already know. If God says it, he means it. If God promises it, he'll, you can stand on it. You can stand on the promise of God. He will never, ever fail you or me. Now, he says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Gee. God gives us his presence, his providence, his provision. And in his presence, you know what? I have God's companionship 24 hours a day, seven days a week, if I want it. If I want it. What does this say in Hebrews chapter 13? It's interesting because it's a double negative. And when you have a double negative in the Greek, it, it's very emphatic. He says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He could have just said, never will I leave you or forsake you. He says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. That's emphasis on that. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 to 3. Let me read that to you. That's a really cool scripture. They're all cool scriptures, but this kind of goes along with what we're thinking. Isaiah 43, let me read verse 1. Listen to this. This is awesome. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. I have redeemed you. Is that past, present, or future? Past tense. I have redeemed you in the past with the result that you continue to be redeemed. Okay? When you pass through the waters... Is that past, present, or future? Future. So we've taken care of the past. Now he's going to address the future. When you pass through the waters, i.e. the flood waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. So we've seen past tense and future tense. Let's go for present tense. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. God gives us companionship, which is just amazing. You know, John chapter 16, verse 33 said this. And, you know, 
it's interesting that Jesus would give us previews of coming attractions. He says, I have told you these things ahead of time so that in me you may have peace. In this world you might have trouble. Oh. Oh, really? In this world you will have trouble. Is there any doubt then in this world there's going to be troubles, right? I don't, you know, we could take a poll. We could uh, have you raise hands. And I'll bet there's a hundred different troubles for a hundred different people in there. Each one has his own brand of trouble. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said this. He says, take heart. In the Greek, you could translate this, have courage. Have courage or cheer. Okay, cheerfulness. Be cheered up. I have overcome the world. Mm. Protection. Protection. Listen to what the psalmist says. He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy rod, your rod and staff, they comfort me. You know, a shepherd had a rod. It was a kind of a small little kind of a club-looking thing. And he had a staff that was usually, oh, six, seven, eight feet long, probably six or seven feet long, that had a, a hook on the end. And what he would do is he would use the club to ward off predators. Do you remember what uh, David said? He says, he says, I fought a lion and I fought a bear, right? And then that was right before he fought Goliath. And the, the staff is used to, to gently hook a sheep if he was kind of wandering away. Now there's an old myth that says the shepherd would break the legs of a wandering sheep and he would put the sheep on his shoulders and then he would, he would uh, uh, nurse the sheep back to health and then the sheep wouldn't depart again. Well, first of all, shepherds weren't interested in breaking their sheep's legs, okay? And can you imagine if he had 120 sheep? Boy, there's a shepherd with 10 sheep stacked on his neck. That ain't going to work. It's interesting because shepherds put a break, B-R-A-K-E, on a sheep's leg. It's like a weight or something, okay? And so then the sheep who wanders away doesn't wander because it takes him more to wander away than it does another sheep because he's got this break on his leg. And that's really what he's talking about is... Your rod, which protects me, and your staff, which gathers me in, they comfort me. You know, what does it say in Hebrews? It says, do not despise the discipline of the Lord, doesn't it? Why? Well, because God's just trying to keep you from straying. He's kind of trying to keep you on the straight and narrow, you know. I carried a wooden spoon in my back pocket when my kids were small. And I had to use it, you know, several times on them, especially when they were younger. But it got to the point when they misbehaved where all I would have to do is reach back for uh, my back pocket and they would be like, okay, Dad, we're going to be good, okay? 
It kind of got to the point where I didn't have to spank him, which I really liked. Got to be nice if God didn't have to spank us. Wouldn't that be nice? It'd be awesome. Let's finish it up. It says, David says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Wow. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Remember, just a few verses ahead of time, David was saying, even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. And now he's getting his head anointed. He's, God is preparing a feast right in front of his enemies. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, folks. If you're a born-again Christian here today, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. By the way, if you haven't done that, you should do that today. It's very simple. You say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I believe that you are the Savior, the Son of God. I want to be saved. Come into my life and heart. If God would have made salvation any harder, none of us would be able to be saved. But listen to this. We're headed for heaven. Hallelujah is right. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and then we're going to close. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and this is very very good news. I'm going to be in verse 16. Listen to this. This is kind of a conclusion. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart, my friends. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. In other words, we're all getting older. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed Day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, what did Jesus say? In this world you will have troubles. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not on what is seen, but, as, but on what is unseen for what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal oh my friends gosh think about this soon and very soon we're going to see the king you know think about this for just a minute probably the average age in this church i'm going to say is we'll just be very kind hmm I'll say 50. What do you think? 50? Okay. 50. If you add my age into it, it brings it down to 37. Okay. Mm-hmm. 50, we'll say 50. Life expectancy for a man is 79. Life expectancy for a woman is 81. Don't ask me why. I'm not going to tell you. So if you're 70, you got nine years left, technically, if you're a man. If you're 65, 
55 from 80. 15. How fast do those nine years go? It's crazy. We're about ready to turn into 2020. Do you remember back when it was like in the 80s and we would see things that said, oh, in 2020, there we're going to... 2020, man, that's never going to come. <laughs> Guess what? It's coming in about two months or three months, isn't it? You know, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Bow your heads with me, would you? If you do not know Jesus Christ or have never accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, while every eye is closed, would you just raise your hand for just a second and tell me that you'd like to accept Jesus Christ in your heart? Okay. I see that hand. Father in heaven, we do pray that you will bless this person and that they will accept you into their lives. Pray with me, would you? Dear Lord in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. Please cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Help me not to worry. Help me to have faith in you. Change my life, Lord, for the better. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take a benevolent offering now. Um, one of the things I don't get to do very often, but I will do right now, uh, if there's anybody that would like to be a member of our church and you're not a member, uh, just uh, raise your hand and we'll talk to you after church. Um, the cost is only $4.95. I'm just kidding. It isn't really, okay? It's, 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 it's free, okay? And uh, membership is kind of fun because uh, we kind of consider you, um, well, to be a little more intimate part of the family, I guess. It's a commitment that we'll make to you and that you make to us. The benevolent offering, let me explain this to you real quick, okay? It's an offering that we take every fifth Sunday of the month and the monies that go into that offering go to help anyone who needs help, okay? You might need help with the groceries at the end of the month. We've helped people with a car payment or two. We've helped people with their power bill. We just have helped people if they need it. Now, if you want to buy lottery tickets with it, we could have a problem there unless you share the lottery winnings. 